Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 2, verses 16 through 23, called Freedom in Christ. And so let's go back to Colossians 2. This is really what was at the heart, and there are uh, commentators who believe that Paul is really putting feet to Jesus' sermon in Mark 7 as he deals with these matters. He says in Colossians 2, verse 17, these things, which specifically in context are mentioned in verse 16, the festivals, the food, etc., Colossians 2, 17, these things, these things which are a mere shadow, verse 17, of what is to come, but the substance or the reality belongs to Christ. See the word shadow there? It's a Greek word called skia. It's S-K-I-A, transliterated into English. It's an image cast by an object representing the form of that object. If you're ever outside and you see your shadow, the shadow is an outline of your figure. It is actually representing you, but it is not a perfect representation of you. Amen? Your shadow... You, you can look at your shadow, and it will reflect kind of the outline of you, but it doesn't give the full substance of who you are. The festivals, the foods, the days of worship cast a shadow of Christ, but the substance was not fully seen in the festivals. The substance is found in Christ. I read a commentator, commentary by J. Vernon McGee. And he argued that we get our word photograph from the Greek word used here for shadow. So you can treasure a photograph. I remember I was on a missions trip many years ago, and I had one of those talking photographs. I was in India and Nepal of my family. And each of my boys said, I love you, Daddy. And then the other one said, I love you, Daddy. And the, the youngest couldn't really talk at the time, and he just went, <laughs> And it was this... This, this talking photo. And I had it in my suitcase, and we unpacked in a half-star hotel. Geckos on the wall. <laughs> and I pulled the photograph out, and I, and I began to play it. And my friend looked at me and said, put that away. He said, you're going to drive yourself crazy. But the photograph was important to me. But when I got home back to America and kissed the asphalt at LAX, oh, thank you for America, Lord. When I got home, I didn't hold the photograph and play it. I was with my family. They could talk to me. The substance was now in front of me. I could hug and touch and interact. Here's the deal. The photos or the shadows are good, but the substance is Christ. Now that he's here, don't go back to the shadows. Don't stay in the shadows when the substance has come. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. Jewish philosopher uh, Philo spoke of the letter of the Old Testament as the shadow, while his own allegorical interpretations were the substance or the higher values. Uh, Plato famously used a contrast of shadow and substance or reality. Interestingly enough, the word here for shadow, as I mentioned, is skia. The word for substance is soma. It's where we get the idea of a body. 
But here it's, it's the idea of that which is substantive. The writer of Hebrews said this, and just write it down for your notes, Hebrews 10.1, as he talks about the old covenant era and the new covenant era, he says, the law, Hebrews 10.1, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. The law, the sacrificial system, the ceremonial system were shadows, but now they've been fulfilled. The whole book of Hebrews is warning a group of early Jewish Christians not to go back to the sacrificial system in the temple when the Lamb of God has come because the blood of bulls and goats could not, in fact, it says it's impossible that they could take away sins. They were a picture, a shadow, the substance belongs to Christ. We were kept under custody of the law, but now we are free. Come out of the shadows. There are so many people in bondage today in religious systems. It is sad. It's sad. You ask them, if you died tonight, would you be in heaven? They say, I don't know. You don't know? You're following a system that has a question mark hanging in your soul? Are you kidding me? No, thank you. I want to know that I know. And by the way, I know that I know. And it's not because I'm so great, but my Savior has finished the work. And so Paul says, let no one, verse 18, here's the third warning. See to it, let no one, don't let anyone, verse 18, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement. Here's the asceticism we talked about when we introduced the book. They were beating themselves up thinking that's what pleases God or that's what pleases these so-called intermediaries between God and man. If you have the ESV, it says, don't let them insist on asceticism and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions that he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. This is all that they were doing. This is a, a verse that gives us the hint of a lot of their teaching. They were saying to people, you got you to gotta beat up your body and then maybe you'll go to heaven. They were saying to people, well, you got to worship angels. Call upon the angels. Invoke the angels against these evil spirits and then you'll go to heaven. And others were saying, I've seen a vision. And here's the vision that I, the Lord gave me. And they, they like with pride, explain their vision. They say, because I've been there, now you got to listen to me. But their vision is contrary to the scripture. What are you going to go with? Their vision or the Bible? Right? But this is what we have. People say they've had a vision. They've been there. They were up in heaven. They can tell you the way. But if their vision is not in keeping with scripture, I would go with scripture personally. Don't let them keep defrauding you. See the word defrauding there? That word is... Uh, specifically a reference to umpires in the games back in the day. Now, they, they didn't have baseball in the first century. I don't know why. It's the greatest game ever. Don't you, don't you agree? But they had track and field and chariot races, and they did have umpires. And these umpires would say whether or not you broke the rules or whether or not you were disqualified from the games, to use an analogy that we can all Uh, hopefully relate to for those of us who are baseball fans. Don't let the umpire call you out when you're safe. The umpires in Colossae were saying, you're out. You do that, you're out. You do that, you're out. Jesus says, no, safe. 
He's made the final call. Amen? So nowadays we have instant replay. Right? God has the best instant replay in heaven. All it is is a, the cross. It is finished. So the false teachers were saying to people, oh, you eat that, you're out. Oh, you didn't show up on that day, you're out. Oh, you didn't pray to that angel, you're out. Sorry, safe. Jesus has already made the call. He's the umpire. He's the judge, not these puffed up false teachers. Amen? We could go to a lot of places, but I'll just say to you, (laughs) write down Jude. There's only one chapter, verses 16 through 21, to get a little bit more on how false teachers operate. The worship of angels kind of ties into this idea of the new age and mysticism and that kind of thing. It was a heresy that plagued the Phrygian region. Uh, Commentator William Hendrickson notes that in A.D. 363, a church synod was held in Colossi's sister city of Laodicea. It declared, quote, It is not right for Christians to abandon the church of God and go away to invoke angels. Apparently what some of these false teachers were saying is, if there's some evil that you're trying to avoid, you call upon an angel. To help you. Look, angels may be dispatched from God. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, Lord, surround this place with your angels. But you invoke God in prayer, not angels. There is no Bible verse that says to pray to an angel. If God decides to dispatch an angel, that's his business. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, that is the man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. So we call upon the Lord. I don't know about you, but if the Lord's my option, I'm going to take him every time. I think Michael the archangel is a cool dude. <laughs> He's not a dude. He's an angel. I'm sure angels, and I know angels are powerful, as depicted in Scripture, yet we are not to invoke angels personally. We let God do that. And we are not to worship angels. In the book of Revelation, when John is overwhelmed by the vision he sees, he tries to fall down before the angel. And the angel says, don't do that. Get up. I am a fellow servant of yours. There was another angel around these parts that wanted that, and he got kicked out. Don't want to join his party. Get up. Worship the Lord alone and serve him only. You see, the problem with these false teachers, verse 19, is that they're not holding fast to the head. They think that they need more than Christ, who is the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with the growth which is from God. Now, when I saw the word ligament, that jumped out at me for personal reasons. I have torn two ligaments in my knees, about 25 years apart. The first one was in a silly football game with my high school buddies right out of high school. Football with no pads. It's always a bad idea. I stepped in a hole, heard a pop. That was the first ACL, right knee. (laughs) Years later on the church softball team, yes, it's true, Pastor Michael playing shortstop, trying to return to his glory days. There was a pop fly between me and my son. I ran tried to extend to make the catch. The ball was in my glove. This is no fish story. It was in my glove. But then I heard a sound I've heard before. (laughs) Pop! 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, I'm Rob, Program Director for Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and I'd like to remind you that this is a listener-supported ministry. Now, if you're a first-time listener, please bear with me. We'll get back to Pastor Michael Lance's message in just a moment. But if you've been listening for a long time, and this ministry has helped you in your walk with the Lord, help equip you to apply God's Word to today's issues, trends, and culture, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner, thinking about the end of the year, the end of the year giving, Sometimes people like to give donations to nonprofit organizations who give food or churches who are doing something for the community. It's the same way for this ministry. If it has blessed you, please consider helping us stay on this radio station or stay on your phone as a podcast. We're just asking for the amount of the price of a cup of coffee or maybe a little bit more expensive cup of coffee. We're hoping that you can consider becoming a monthly partner of $5 or $10 a month. If you can do that, if you can commit to helping us with that and helping this ministry grow, we'd love to be on more radio stations. Please visit walkintruth.com today and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. There was a pop fly between me and my son. I ran, tried to extend to make the catch. The ball was in my glove. This is no fish story. It was in my glove. But then I heard a sound I've heard before. <laughs> pop! When the ligament goes, this happened to be the anterior cruciate ligament, the famous ACL injury. It's a pain you don't want to know. I've experienced it twice. I don't care to experience it again. And when that ligament's not holding your knee together, things are loose. The, in fact, the doctor's first exam, will see to, he will try to see how loose your knee is. Sorry, did I gross you out? I'm not having a donut today. He ruined it for me. <laughs> all right, I'll have it for you. It's all right. Turn to Ephesians. How do you like that transition? (laughs) Ephesians 4, look at verse 11. Many parallels between Colossians and Ephesians. Here's one. And he, Ephesians 4.11, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, Ephesians 4.12, to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ." from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Some years ago, uh, many years ago now, we went down to, if you turn back to Colossians and we'll finish it up, we went down to an area called La Bufadora in Mexico. It's where the blowhole is. And we were down there surfing with a friend, <clears throat> and his dad had not surfed for about 20, 25 years. He used to be a long, one of those long boarders in Hawaii. 
You know those guys, it's like a, they carry a canoe out to the water. <laughs> it's kind of bored he surfed on. But it had, it had been years, and we just harassed him for days. Come on, Mr. Green, you got to go out and surf. Come on, Mr. Green. Finally, he decided to go out. Waves were pretty good that day. So we're out there, and we're, we're surfing, and he came out with this big canoe, and he was stuck on the inside. The waves were just pounding him. And then something happened. We heard a scream. <laughs> Well, he had stepped on a jellyfish, and he had never, he, he never even got out to catch a wave, and he was sitting on the shore in agony. Ah! You can't! I'm going to get you! <laughs> Beat up by the waves and then stung or bit. So many believers, sadly, blown around by every wind of doctrine, in doubt about their security in Jesus, always wondering, am I saved? Am I saved? Paul says, don't do that. If you, Colossians 2.20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself or permit yourself to be under decrees such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? It almost sounds like our mother. <laughs> don't handle that. Don't taste it. Don't touch it. Anybody ever try to sneak a bite of cake and got slapped on your hand? That's not. What? I just. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? We started with eating foods, but now it seems that they're so ramped up in their judgmentalism, now you can't even taste it. It's the idea of them running around like the food police. Don't, 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 don't taste that. Fish. <laughs> That's happened to me at multiple Church potlucks, by the way. <laughs> Stop it, Pastor Michael. We haven't prayed. No, I'm just kidding. I, I do wait. Which all refer, 22, to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. Look, food, 1 Corinthians 8, 8, will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat nor the better if we do eat. There are systems that demand, for example, vegetarianism. The Bible does not. Peter was told, rise up, kill, and eat. So if someone wants to be a vegetarian, that's fine. But if someone decides to eat meat, none of these things have anything to do with your standing before God. You're neither the worse if you eat or the better. I should qualify I would watch your cholesterol, though. <laughs> because I still think we have a temple to take care of, and this is not carte blanche to say, you know, you can, you can just eat up a storm because you're not the worse or the better. Well, spiritually, that's true. But you could be worse physically, right? So we need to hopefully keep that in balance. I'm saying enjoy your life, but we, we still have to be careful. These, this is not carte blanche here. The view that the body will eventually... Uh, uh, be dismissed of, according to the church father, Athanasius, Anthony, the founder of Christian monasticism, listen to this, because he believed he, got to, he had to beat himself up, never changed his vest or washed his feet. And he had no friends either. <laughs> but not to be outdone, Simeon the Stylitus, who lived from 390 to 459, spent the last 36 of his years, years of his life atop a 50-foot pillar. 
Let me say that again. He spent the last 36 years of his life living on top of a 50-foot pillar. For what reason? See, I'm here, Lord. I'm suffering for you. Look, you may be called upon to suffer, but I don't think the Lord's going to be terribly impressed with 50-foot pillars or vests that go unwashed. What impresses him is a heart of worship. A man or woman who says, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. These are matters, final verse 23, which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom, they look good in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value, zero, against fleshly indulgence. So we think, well, if I just do this, then I'll be, over, be able to overcome that sin. No, you don't overcome sin by abusing your body or you know, keeping yourself away from things that God has blessed you with. The way you keep yourself from sin is by the same power that saved you. Alexander McLaren wrote, there's only one thing that will put the collar on the neck of the animal within us. That is the power of the indwelling Christ. Ascetic religion is godless, for its practitioners essentially worship themselves. As such, we are not to be intimidated by it, close quote. You have so-called holy men. They dress in a certain way. They look impressive. And we may even respect them for their sacrifices. But as far as fleshly indulgence is concerned, that's not going to do it. Christ is the one who will do it for you. Archibald Rutledge tells the story that as a young boy, he was always catching and caging wild things. He particularly loved the sound of the mockingbird, so he decided to catch one and keep it so he could hear it sing any time. He found a very young mockingbird, placed it in a cage outside his home. On the second day, he saw a mother bird fly to the cage and feed the young bird through the bars. This pleased young Archibald, but the following morning, he found the little bird was dead. Later, young Archibald was taken to renowned ornithologist Arthur Wayne, who told him, quote, a mother mockingbird finding her young in a cage will sometimes take it poisonous berries. She evidently thinks it's better for the one she loves to die rather to, than to live in a cage. Wow. You will find holiness the same place you found temptation in Christ. I leave you with Ironside. He says, when temptation comes from without, we are sadly conscious of the fact that we have a traitor within who would open the door of the fortress to the enemy if he were not carefully watched. When the enemy attacks our hearts, our hearts must be determined to cleave to the Lord and give no ground to the suggestion of the flesh or the promptings of the adversary. In other words, when you are tempted to give in to sin, run to Christ. There is a way of escape. His name is Jesus. The same one who brought you salvation is the same one who will give you strength to deal with life because you are and I am complete in him who is the head. Amen. You've been listening to Freedom in Christ, part two on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Colossians 2, 16 through 23. 
And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, what does freedom in Christ mean? It means that you are free from religious performance. You can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, rest is a beautiful freedom. God gave the Sabbath day to the people of Israel, and he gave it to them so that they might rest and worship and be able just to slow down. There's a beautiful freedom in resting in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means. That's the bottom line for freedom in Christ. He wants you to be free, to be resting in him, and also to be doing what you do out of that relationship with Jesus Christ, that freedom. Because if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Well, the next study that we're going to embark on is actually called Seeking Things Above, and it's connected to this idea of freedom. How do we walk out that freedom? We keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we're going to tackle that topic, Seeking Things Above, right here on Walk in Truth tomorrow on the broadcast. Hey, you can always call 844-48-TRUTH if you have a need You need someone to talk to you. You need someone to pray with you. We have pastors here available Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 4 Pacific time, 844-48-TRUTH. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for praying for us and supporting us. And we'll catch you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, called Seeking Things Above. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.